So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hello, hello. Uh, so I'm back with another episode of Mental Roots. My name is Nathan Day, and yeah, I'm excited to do this. This is a new podcast where I talk about basically different, specifically looking at the Black British male um, experience of mental health. And I guess the main reason I'm doing this is because of a um, a short film that I'm working on at the moment um, in partnership with Rural Media. And they've got a scheme called New Creatives and um, got a commission that's from the BBC to back a short film I'm doing, um, which is basically telling uh, a fictional story of a young black guy who's just trying to navigate um, through the different obstacles um, that he's facing and him coming to terms with, you know, what has led to his mental health breakdown and how he plans to solve it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to talk with different people who um, have a few thoughts about Black British mental health, um, just to add to my research and to, um, I guess, add more substance to the film I'm doing. It's kind of a form of research, but hopefully it's forming you guys as well, especially those of you listening who might not be Black British. Um, and so yeah, I'm here today with El Formosa. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> awesome. Um, Elle, do you want to just introduce yourself to the listeners and just say um, a bit about what you do and, um, yeah, and then we can get straight into it. Okay. Hey, my name is Formosa. Um, I am a content creator with a series on Grime at the moment called Mental Health and Grime. <clears throat> and it's basically exploring mental health in the grime scene with artists um, within the grime <laughs> scene itself and how artists develop music-wise and things like that in regards to mental health. Awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I'll start with sort of the first question. Come on, I can just get it up quickly. Um, but yeah, just basically um, tell us a little bit about the background, where you grew up, uh, what sort of family you grew up in, because um, obviously environment is a huge factor in how we understand ourselves and the world around us. So just a little introduction into kind of where you grew up and how you grew up. Okay, I grew up in London, in Northwest London, born and bred. I'm from yes. a Jamaican background, mm. um, both sides of my family. I grew up in a Jamaican household with my nan, like as the head of the household, as usual mm. in a Jamaican household. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived with her for quite a few years, probably about 10 years before I moved out um, with my mum. And then I lived with my mum. And then, yeah, that's it. I kind of always grew up in North West London. I haven't left, so. Nice. And um, can you remember maybe the time you might have heard about the term mental health? Because I feel like even that term has a lot of mystery around it. And especially for black people, like, "Mm, what does that really mean? That sounds like a white man's problem, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just to take us through your first maybe experience or exposure to concept of health and how your understanding of it has kind of developed through this um it's gonna not just weird, your, like, yeah, also the maybe any people you know in when you've grown as well because um w- w- one thing i found interesting about your mental health and grime series is um obviously grime is quite male dominated and um uh-huh. you've spoken to a few people uh and named i'm a fan of names bliss and uh, I think it was another guy from who used to be a member of Roll Deep. If I'm yeah. Not... yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, I heard a little bit from both and it was just interesting to see how, you know, the, like the, the way they were vulnerable about themselves, that's not something we see a lot in, um, in the media. And so I imagine maybe growing up, 
you know, if you knew any black men or any black boys growing up, what was your relationship with them like? And I guess what was the difference between what you saw in real life and what, you know, um, grime culture or just black British culture was projecting, kind of what were the differences and stuff? Okay. But, um, yeah, that was two different questions. Yeah, it was two questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, answer the first one. I think the hearing the term mental health, it sounds weird, but I knew what kind of depression was growing up. But hearing the term mental health, I was an adult before I heard that. And that could have been probably maybe about five or six years ago when I started to suffer from ill mental health. Um, just to clarify, I say ill meant everyone has mental health, but when you are unwell, it's ill mental health or mm. poor mental health. Um and probably about five or six years ago is when I heard the term mental health particularly and started to kind of, when I did my research about what I was going through with anxiety, um, seeing the term mental health come and kind of I guess how the world's becoming these days. There were a lot of problems um, and more people starting to suffer from mental health. So now it's become quite a colloquial term. And I think mm. kind of most people now will have used it or know someone with mental health or whatever. So <clears throat> and, and then, yeah the second question <laughs> second question um I grew up on grime music so I was always in a male dominated kind of era from kind of like 13 um loads I had loads of friends who were DJs loads of friends who were MC they were men I think I don't remember being a female MC so going out to these kind of like um raves and events and stuff and I'd probably have like one girlfriend with me and there'll be just, just just males all over the place. And it's kind of, they just, they went through that obviously with pirate radio and um, setting things up and having beef with people, you know, like road beef there. You never ever saw any kind of, um, I don't know how to put it. You never ever saw down. Vulnerability, that's it. You mm. never ever saw vulnerability. You know, if they had beef with someone, it was just a thing like, how am I going to deal with it? How am I going to deal with it? You know, that person could have gone home and cried, but we would never know. We would never see that. Um, yeah. It's a kind of a logical, matter-of-fact way to deal with it. And that's the kind of advice that they got as well. They never got any kind of mm. sympathy, like in the form of, you know, a comfort type of thing. It was kind of, oh, you've got to do this, fam. You've got to do that. Like, you know, mm. and definitely as as around... A group of guys you would never see that in a group I never saw mm. it on one like one-to-one and it would definitely never happen in a group you would definitely not show your vulnerability in front of mm. a group of like 10 MCs at a radio station just wouldn't yeah. happen <laughs> yeah um were there any moments still when you were growing up where um again because you said you had some friends were there moments where you saw their vulnerability and you know saw especially your male friends seeing that I mean, I guess, obviously, a lot of people within grime culture know that the whole basis of it is you are trying to just showcase yourself as a rapper. You're trying to showcase yourself as the alpha male, you know. And I guess people already know it's not real life to an extent. But sometimes do you have you felt in your experience, sometimes the lines were a little bit blurred and maybe um, because 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 what I wonder is like how deep are we misled by grime culture in some ways, you know? We know that that performativity is a huge part of it, but sometimes when a rapper says something about, you know, his lifestyle and his music, have the lines been blurred? Have people ended up actually taking things to heart? Or, you know, and you know how, how, from your experience, how easy has it been for people to believe some of the... Um, I guess the fantasies portrayed in grime music, you know, like how has, I don't, I don't, that's, I don't, that's quite a deep question, but like how, well, at a certain point for you, did you ended up starting to believe certain things in music or maybe looking back, you think mm, maybe I was a little bit too influenced by that song or this rap or whatnot. Um, just, just wondering if that's something that you um, relate to. Yeah, I feel like um, whatever they were spitting, people believed. Um, and I think mm. <laughs> the only way I could 
know whether it was true is if you met that person or you knew a friend of a friend there's always like rumors are oh, you know did you hear this guy did this or what he says in the tune is that he actually did that to someone like you had rumors and you heard stories but mm. um there were times when I've heard people spit about certain things and I've met them and I'm like you mm. are nothing like the lyrics that I've just heard yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all there's um I think most of it like it did cross over into real life and I wouldn't even call it a crossover. I'd call it a lifestyle. Um, the mm. lyrics that some, most of them were spitting were life. Like grime was life. It was on road, do music. It just went hand in hand with the same thing. Um, yeah. It just went hand in hand with each other is what I mean. Um, and kind of the lyrics they were spitting about having beef with someone, you know, they did have beef with this person. How they dealt with it might've been different compared to their lyrics, but they did yeah, have yeah. beef with that person. And um I think you asked, did I see any vulnerability? And it kind of, yeah. you get flashes of vulnerability. Maybe it's because mm. I'm female. So um, like I said, I had a quite a lot of close um, male friends who were like DJs and stuff. And um, mm. kind of, if they, you know, I was chilling with them on a, a one-on-one and they decided to talk about whatever they was going through. Um, mm. It wouldn't be a total, like, you know, transparent breakdown, but you did see, you know, yeah the frustration and the anger and like a little bit of sadness and just the stress stress was a was a big one yeah mm. some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside and some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort i used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package but that all changed when i got my honda suv it's rugged and sophisticated and right now honda has deals on the entire honda suv lineup crv hrv pilot passport you name it So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. And just from your experience growing up, what were the kind of the bigger, the biggest sort of things that you'd hear these guys complain about? You know, was it to do with um, the injustice they felt or being stopped and searched or, you know, what, what sort of recurring things did you get from these, you know, I guess semi-vulnerable conversations that you've had um, um, with certain, certain guys growing up. Probably beef was a big one. Um, mm. Over well, different beef with other, like other, beef over, other with other beef black guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, other guys in the area. Mm. Probably things like over money, um, mm. over drugs, um, beef with family as well. Like falling out with mm. your family because music is not always what your family want you to do that that was a big one um and obviously going out to pirate radio and and doing sets and shows at all different times and coming in and not having a job as we got older that was a big one for parents um for people to fall out with their parents about um and yeah sometimes it would even be radio beef like falling out with the radio manager (laughs) because you don't pay your subs or whatever um Or having turning up at radio shows and they're all kicking off because someone that you didn't like from a different manner turned up at the same time and it would just all go nuts, like things like that. But yeah. Cool. So even what you just mentioned there is pretty deep, you know, um, and we could obviously delve into each, um, I guess, causing factor. Um, I, I just wanted just to, to get your perspective on like the roots of all these issues, you know, this whole thing about family issues and even you know when there's you mentioned beef and then automatically some people will say yeah see black on black crime is a real thing blah 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 but obviously it's much deeper than that black guys do not kill other black guys because they're black it's because you know obviously we are as black men there's a lot of environmental and social difficulties we're dealing with and if in it just turns out that you know we live in close proximity to each other so you know, when any human being is frustrated, what do they do? They take it out on the person closest to them. So um, that's my perspective on it. Like, what, what what's your perspective on the different <laughs> causes that you've mentioned um, that some people might say, yeah, see, that's an example of black be- black people being this or that. Like, how would you counter those sort of arguments and say, actually, there's more to it than that, you know? Um, just, just wanted to know your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, there were white people in the scene. <laughs> That's yeah. There were white people in the scene as well. You did have beef with them. Um, yeah. Also, it's like a... 
just want to say you don't go like you said you don't go and beef another guy because he's black when you're black that's that's not how it is it's you know issues related to probably generational things um tradition um you know like family values and that you know uh, obviously caribbean people they don't they're not known for expressing their feelings you don't talk about things so you bottle things up and times when you bottle Mm -hmm. things up and they explode they can explode in other areas of your life so you know, you've had an argument with your mum at home or your grandma who you're living with because your mum's kicked you out. And then you go into radio and someone, I don't know, steps on your foot or gets on your nerves and you start an argument with them and it turns into a madness because everyone's just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Something as simple as that. Um, and, yeah, no way could it be related to um, our race. Obviously, like, we've got a lot to deal with as black people. Like you said, stop and search as I got older, probably like 15, 16, I would see that happen a lot. Um, 17, um, my black friends getting stopped and searched. I've known instances where they're walking with a white person and the white person is told to keep walking and the black person will get stopped and searched. Those kind of things that you can't kind of fight against um, really build resentment inside you. And mm. resentment that's built inside you that can't go anywhere will automatically come out in places you don't want it to. So. Those are things that cause a frustration between people. And that's mm. when you start arguing over, you know, money and women and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And um, yeah, I, I guess I'll just be transparent because um, I've been fortunate enough to have quite a, what's it called? A sheltered upbringing. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family um, and I, I was born in Leicester briefly lived in Ghana uh, and then spent the early part of my childhood just living in like um, Clapham Park, so kind of near Brixton. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never witnessed firsthand, you know, my friends on the road, because oh, obviously at that age, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you know, aware of that stuff anyway. But um, I guess kind of what the large part of my perspective of um, the marginalization or the extreme cases of marginalization that black people experience in Britain, a lot of my perspective of it has been through grime music and through the media than my own experiences. And I think even probably a lot of guys living in the ends might still have that, might still be able to relate to that where then just because you live in a certain area or you have certain friends doesn't mean you're exposed you that that you've actually been part of gang culture or you've actually witnessed certain things um and that's i think something that a lot of people don't understand like just because i'm black british doesn't mean i've i've been to a grime set or i know like i'm privy to all the things that uh, i guess a lot of popular black british spokespeople are aware of and mm-hmm. so i'm also trying to be aware of my own inconsistencies of viewing black British culture as well because it's it's there's so many levels to it and um I'm 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 learning just as much as anyone else through this podcast so I think that being self-aware and being aware that every like two black people could be living in the same area but their experiences might be very different yeah um I don't have you kind of witnessed that growing up and um maybe you've had certain friends who you know or specifically male friends who um you know were exposed to the same things but because of one certain aspect that was different in their lives you know one of them turned out different from the other i don't know if there's any circumstances you've um seen regard in regards to that um yeah i can think of that um even differences between myself and mm. um, males growing up in the same area and, you know, one person could have a different aspect of grime music. They grow up listening to it, um, going to the race, but going with a different set of friends and kind of not mixing with people and then leaving and going home. But at the same way, mm. something bad could happen and it could be one yeah. of my friends, but my friends could get caught up in it. So that's me and my mm. first-hand account. But... You know, they went to a rave, had a good time and they went home. Something as simple as that. And just because you live in, um, you know, a predominantly black area where um, I would say where grime culture can be quite um, 
dense does not mean that you will have the same experience as someone else. It all depends on mm. like people that you roll with um, mm. and what you do outside of that kind of thing. Mm. Cool. So um, I guess in summary, let's maybe look at, because you also work for an organisation as well. Um, I've forgotten the name, um, but um, I think you sent me a link to the website. Um, do you want to... Move- Sorry? Say yeah, that again. Movement magazine. Yeah, so um, can you kind of explain how you got into that and through doing, through working with the magazine, have you um, been able to have a clearer idea of uh, kind of the biggest challenges there are to black British communities in regards to actually effectively dealing with mental health? Number one, actually understanding what it is and understanding that the everyday things we go through, whether it's, you know, having us having to work double shifts because, you know, that's just how it is for us or um, hearing that our friend got stabbed or whatnot or being stopped and searched, all these little things that might be easy for us to just brush past because we're so used to it. Eventually, it starts to take a toll on just your mental well-being. So through your work with Mental Health Magazine, what sort of things have you... Um, discovered um, in regards to how we as black British people um, deal with and should deal with mental health? Um, I found out things like um, we are less likely to kind of receive medical help in time because we're perceived Mm. as strong people. Um, That goes for mental and physical health. Um, Mm. Waiting lists for mental health services are quite long and when services are offered to um, black British people, they have more of a, shall I say, difficult time convincing their mental health profession professional that they are in need of dire help. 150 years of breakthroughs, milestones and triumphs. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Um, mm. Again, for the same kind of you look strong, you must be strong type of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> less likely to seek therapy um, mm. and counselling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And again, yeah. I think that's a, um, a cultural thing and kind yeah, of yeah. generational thing. Yeah. Um, and we can delve yeah. into that a bit more if you want because I feel like that's an interesting yeah. thing you know the like that we can't we don't even feel that the authorities can handle our pain that they can understand it um, so I think that in itself carries a lot of weight to it so um, mm-hmm. if you had more to say on that then I welcome you to yeah I think yeah. that um <laughs> I'm trying to think how I would explain it to someone who kind of has no understanding of it. And it would be mm. that um, Caribbean families and African families have a, a kind of keep calm, carry on attitude. And it literally is, you don't speak about your feelings. You kind of deal with what comes and you get on with it. And your face is just a poker face. You will never know that, you know, uh, your, your, your grandma is suffering because mm. she just gets up, she gets on with it. She does what needs to be done. And, yeah everything is just as it was and she could be you know screaming out inside but you'd never notice and that is a thing that gets carried on through generations um Mm. my family is the same we grew up as a kind of you know you just get on with it you know something may be tough but you've got to do it because I don't know you've got kids or you know you've got to get to work um and you don't want to be seen to be faltering you don't want to be seen to be like you can't handle something or like you're causing a problem because um there's this kind of stigma that you know if, if you don't do something that you're you're bec- you're making something an issue and you're the issue um and then that goes into kind of a race thing as well like you know yeah. like um you know you're not you're not playing ball you know if that white person can do it and come into work why can't you do it why are you making something an issue for so you just get on with it mm. and you suffer so to speak um and if that's the only attitude you know and what you pass on to your family it takes you know 
one person to kind of step out of that and break it. And if that doesn't happen, you just carry on the way that you've been brought up. Mm. So in that context, for you, what helped you? Obviously, it's still you're still on a journey of, I guess, you know, no one's mental health is perfect. I think that's also worth establishing. You know, we need to be realistic as to what we're aiming for, because to be human means you will be vulnerable. You will always have weaknesses. Right. And so there's always ways of improving your mental health. Even the most wealthy person in the world has mental health issues. You know, Um, the causes may be different, but um, everyone struggles with some form of mental health because we we go through life. We have all sorts of messages that we're absorbing. We have all sorts of experiences that test our integrity and test our character. And Mm -hmm. so I think this is, you know, it's important to look at the broader picture and think, you know, we're not saying that if you're getting help for your mental health, that means we're expecting you to have happy days all the time because mm-hmm. that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess, obviously, now it seems you're open to talk about it. Um, what helped you kind of break out of, you know, what you described as this tradition in, you know, your Jamaican family to, you know, just keep pushing, keep going on? What mm-hmm. what made you or what series of events led to you just learning to be vulnerable about this and just um, ad- address your issues for what they were, if that makes sense? Um, quite simply, I just broke down. I just broke. I had to. I didn't have a choice. Mm. It got to a point where there was a problem and I was high functioning with that problem. <clears throat> and then one day I just something just snapped and I, I couldn't do anything. I was literally housebound. Mm. And it had to be, okay, I have to tell someone now. <laughs> mm. um, I have to do something. Was there any, it. like, particular event that triggered it or just, yeah, if I, I don't want to go too deep if you don't want to, but... No, that's uh, fine. Um, oh, cool. I've yeah, got... just try and give us, like, all the details just to establish. Because I, I really want to make this real and I want to the listeners to try and get into your shoes, if that makes sense, as as much as possible, so... That's yeah, fine. just take That's it fine. away, take it away. <laughs> so what happened is I had a operation that didn't go so well. And um, when I woke up from the operation, I lost some sight in my eye and it was meant to be like a routine operation. So I woke up and something unexpected had happened to me and I just kind of turned my world upside down to the point where I just couldn't function um, in my new normal, I guess. Um and I was expected to, you know, go back to work and carry on with it. But physically, I was unwell. And then mentally, just totally, just just not there at all. And trying to carry on and not ignore it, but kind of brush over it and pretend everything was going to be OK actually made it worse. Um, and I started to suffer with really bad anxiety, like leaving the house was a, a, a difficult thing. Um, and this is not a word I'd heard before. I didn't know what it was. So experiencing it, I was like having to read up on the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, asking people, had to visit my doctor um, and say, you know, what what is going on here? What is this? And for them to tell me what it is um, and think anxiety, have I heard that word before? I think I'd heard it probably like twice in my life, but it's something that if you've never had it before, it means nothing to you. It will just go over your head. But when you start to live with it, you realise how much, like power the word actually holds for you um and it involved me kind of having to talk to people having to speak to my mum having to speak to my auntie having to speak to my dad and tell them you know I'm suffering with something and it's called anxiety um Mm. I don't know what it is but this is how it makes me feel and I need I need some help now I'm I'm broken I do need someone to Mm. get me out of this yeah yeah and how, how did your family receive it? You know? um, <laughs> Not that any family is perfect, you know, it's a process. No, just, um, yeah. my parents don't understand it. They don't. Mm-hmm. They, they've, I think in the beginning they thought that maybe I could have been making it a little bit worse than it was. Or well, they didn't understand for me speaking about it, mm-hmm. how bad it was. But mm-hmm. them seeing it, seeing me break down and panic, um, mm-hmm they kind of realised that it was a real thing for me. It was very, very Mm. real. 
but they don't understand it at all. They just don't get it. And that's not for want of trying. They have tried to yeah, understand. Yeah. In the beginning, they just didn't understand. And then they started to, I always say that if you don't understand it, that's absolutely fine. I wouldn't want you to because you haven't, you won't understand it unless you've had it, but you have to respect it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's all we really need is like, cool if you don't totally get it, but at least yeah. respect that this is something that you have an experience. So, you know, yeah. my experience is still real. You know, it's, it's <laughs> my opinions are still valid because yeah. you, you haven't been exposed to it as much as I have. So, I mean, as long as like the people closest to you get that, then I think mm -hmm. that's a good solid start because again, I'm not trying to perpetuate negative stereotypes but and again it's not entirely our fault as such you know that the system there are systems in place that perpetuate this but the you know the lack of father figures in many black british homes um i, th I think that's also a big part because obviously um I, again uh, another thing we can talk about is have you the anxiety that you had uh, have you seen any of your black male friends have experienced something similar um and if so or even if not like have any of your friends opened up about them they might have not used the term mental health but looking mm -hmm. back you can you think actually i can see that might have been a mental health problem that my friend was yeah. having ha having um so looking back do you think what, 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 who are the first people they opened up to? Because I think that's quite interesting, you know, as mm -hmm. black, young black people, who are the first people we open up to? Is it our parents or is it our close friends? Exactly, like, is it our close friends? Or another interesting thing to look at is the culture of, I guess, religion in many black families as well mm -hmm. and the role that has to play. So... Um, that, that's another whole kettle of fish in terms of how the black yep. church is dealing with mental health. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just what have you seen your friends do in terms of the maybe one of the first things they do to open up about their it, issues? Talking to friends first, kind of talking mm. when you're black, talking to your parents about something is the last resort. <laughs> you only yeah. do that in the... I relate, I relate, I relate. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think they know that as well. So when you speak to your family about something, they know that. They know it's serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. know that you've exhausted every other avenue before. Like, had to tell them. So yeah, friends first, sounding it out with friends, seeing how they feel, have they been through it? Um, I, I, I think I've only known one person who's gone through it, but I never physically saw it. I never saw it in front of me. She just spoke to me about it. But when I was going through it, it was like, what is this? I feel like I'm the first person in the world to go through it. Like I've never mm. had this before. Um, so, so yeah, speaking to friends first and then eventually speaking to my parents. Um, and then my mum kind of admitting that she was quite anxious as a child. Um, and yeah, I just never noticed. Like I said, if you don't know anything about it, you kind of just gloss over it. And that sounds really bad, but um yeah, it's just how we are as humans. If if someone tells you they have something and you don't have it, you can't relate and you just don't register it. But when you do go through it, it becomes relevant and then you start to see different signs of things. Mm. Um, oh, I was going to ask another question. Uh, it slipped out of my mind now, but I've got so many questions swimming around and the order is getting jumbled up. But... Um, yeah, it might come back to me later. But yeah, so in regards to the Mental Health magazine, um, can you kind of describe, first of all, how long have you been working with them and what's your role? Um, uh, and, cool. you know, yeah, just kind of get into the projects you've done and any, have you seen like tangible results in how it's affecting other young um, black people, uh, specifically men, if, if, if that applies? you know, um, from the work you're doing, have you been able to see any sort of results or anyone reach out to you and say, oh, wow, this is really helping me or whatnot um, through any of the content creation or um, organisation work that you've done? So kind of, I'm editorial assistant, so things come into our inbox mm -hmm. and we talk about, we kind of go through submissions because people can write in 
um, mm. uh, email into us and give us their own version of their mental health story or something that has helped them. Um, and then we put that onto the website. So kind of, we don't get many males doing it though. Ma- ma- and if we do get males, males are more practical. So it would be like, oh, I've mm. tried yoga for 90 days and I've documented mm. it. So this is something that might help. And then with women, we get kind of normal stories and, you know, what they've been through and things like that. The whole point of the, the website is meant to be like a, a resource. So there's, they've got links to helplines. They've got stories that you may be able to relate to. Um, they try to find help for people in different kind of areas where they live. Obviously, mental health services are different wherever you are. Um, and they try to do that worldwide, try to help people out um, who are either waiting for therapy on the list or don't know how to access it. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say we see a lot of black British people um, mm. with submissions or kind of interacting with the site, to be honest. Mm. And have you um, have you kind of heard maybe any testimonials from people or just any indication of what any work you've been part of has in, how, how that has impacted any black British person just with out of interest. To or what I've been doing myself just um, both um, just yeah anything that you've been doing you know um, yeah um, on my Instagram I'm quite open about my mental health um, mm. I kind of to me it's a part of life so I don't make a special kind of section for it if it happens mm. and it comes up People know about it. If I'm having a bad day, I'm not ashamed to put it up. Um, and I have had um, a few people say, you know, your Instagram is probably one of the most normal we've seen compared to highlight reels and kind of what people want to put up there. And you seem yeah. like you're kind of a real person, I guess. Um, mental health and grime, was, I've had quite good feedback on that with people saying that, you know, it's interesting to hear people talk about their um, anxieties and their issues especially looking at people that performers that they wouldn't think had any problems, so yeah. to speak. Um, yeah. And mental movement's quite a positive place with all the information they've got in there. And we do get quite positive feedback about people, about things that they found to help them um, mm. and kind of pointing them in the right direction therapy-wise. And they have a therapy yeah. kind of, um, uh, a therapy service attached to the website as well, so people can access therapy oh, okay. that way. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Cool. And yeah, let's touch on, let's briefly touch on sort of the mental health in Grime series. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously your love for Grime growing up is what influenced it. Um, and I imagine, obviously I haven't finished yet. I, would you say you're halfway through the series or you don't know when it's going to end? You're just keeping it moving? One episode, this week is episode eight. Um, yeah. I think there'll be a few more, but I think I want to end mm-hmm. on a high, so I'm not going to drag it out for yeah. too long. Yeah. Fair enough. And what is there? Are there any common things that have been re- coming up through the interviews in terms of um, obviously most of the people you've been speaking to have are grime artists, if if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, correct me. But yeah, just like what what's what's their perspective been on what grime does for them in terms of helping them as people? You know, how is there some sort of therapeutic um, effect that it has on them? Or is it, you know, in regards to how grime is affecting their own mental health, yeah. what, you know, what recurring sort of message are you getting, if, if there is any? Predominantly that music is a therapy. 
um, mm. and the creation of music um, and putting it out there, you know, recording your lyrics and having something to be proud of. That kind of process for artists is a big thing. For DJs, it would be, you know, gaining a show on um, somewhere quite popular or creating a mix for something quite high profile. Um, on the flip side, we get a lot of, we get a lot of, there's no talking in the grime scene. So everyone is kind of <laughs> knowing what's going on, but not really saying anything. Um, mm -hmm. I've also got a lot of kind of sometimes meeting people, like I said, after you've heard their lyrics is not the same thing. What they portray on yeah. tune is not the real person. The real person is obviously quite, sometimes quite the opposite. Um, they could be quite aggy and uh, quite loud and brash in their music. And then you meet them and they're kind of like really quiet and really meek and not what you thought they were. Um, yeah, I think those things. And people have been agreeing that we need to talk more in the scene and that yeah. it's okay to kind of put some truthful, heartfelt lyrics over grime music without talking about being a bad man all the time. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, and that's why I like artists like Names Bliss and I don't yeah. know if you've heard of Melvillus as well. Um, and yeah, there's quite a few other MCs that I like, um, that I might put you on who, you know, they do, yeah, they, they do sort of clean grime music. Um, really, it's because of their Christian faith and, you know, they just want to be real about their faith and their music. But also more than that, it's just, they, you know, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. You want, we want positivity in grime music, you know. You can still like, you know, light up a set with positive messages and yeah. be like, "Yo, we let's let's own our own businesses. Let's, you know, let you know other more constructive ways of um, portraying black excellence." Um, so, in addition to that, have are there any sort of practical things that you want to see more in black British communities in terms of, because um, of in terms of us controlling the narrative of our own mental health because it seems like for many black british people it's like either i keep this to myself or i open up to the nhs or some other service that doesn't understand me as a black person so um would you say that there's a third option that we can actually own our narrative we have the power to own you know the way we um deal with mental health you know we the, com the everyday conversations we have are probably even more important than depending on institutions or trying to get a certain counsellor or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, we, I, I think that's pro a huge part of moving forward. But what about you? What what other things would you like to see more in terms of us making progress? Um, I'd like to see more black therapists. Um, mm. Mental Movement have a organisation called House of Self where they have um, mm. more um, people from black backgrounds who are therapists. Um, also, in an, amongst the Black Lives Matter um, protests the other week, there were um, things coming out of that. Uh, I can't remember the website, but there was a website where black therapists were offering free therapy for black people, um, mm. which I thought was quite good. Again, yeah, because that's another thing as well, is the cost of therapy, especially yeah. if you want a private counsellor. Yeah. The prices are ridiculous. And so that's another thing, you know, there's a class issue there, there's a money issue yeah. there. So, um, yeah, like what you said, hearing, you know, free counselling sessions or reduced costs, I think that would really help. Um, and I can only see that really coming into effect if we see more qualified um black therapists who understand what it's like to come from a family where you know you have to work twice as hard as your peers so mm -hmm. um yeah I think that's a great thing you highlighted anything else I think how um just to add to that I think how lawyers do um legal aid or pro bono work in America they call it I think therapists should be able to do something like that um that would be great for the same thing because I think you know mental health is very very important um again I think it's uh, our generation kind of breaking that um, cultural pattern and saying, listen, I've got something to talk about and kind of keeping on talking about it. Um, so, you know, generations after us will not have the, the, the problems that we've had before where we're unable to speak mm. to each other. Um, and it does help. Uh, it really does help. I can vouch for that kind of talking about it to your parents and, you know, it doesn't go away. 
if just because you've stopped talking about it, the more you talk about it, the better. That's how you get it to, you know, get it to a manageable place when you're able to talk about it with your family. And that helps. Um, Mm. I think kind of role models as well. That's another thing I wanted to achieve with mental health and grime. Younger, um, you know, artists, up and coming artists or younger people that look up to those grime artists can see them speaking out about things having positive lyrics in their tunes, speaking about their their health and where it comes from, the more you normalise it, the less of a problem it becomes. And if you're able to grow yeah. up in a household where you've, you're able to talk to people, or if not, you're able to see someone that you admire talking about things that are, um, you know, normalising uh, health and conversation like sexual health, which should be normal in a household, or physical health. That again breaks so much stigma, and that is a big help in itself. Yeah. And let, shall we just take this moment to maybe shout out a few artists that you've seen, where it's like, okay, I like what this grime artist is doing here, because I think we do need to um, give credit where credit is due, and you know, all the artists that we're seeing who are already speaking up about these things in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, let's actually use this platform and bring attention to them, so that. Hopefully the listeners can look into that. Um, so yeah, just from your experience, any grime artists that you've seen um, opening up about mental health, and you know, sometimes it's not received well. Sometimes it is, um, but kind of just share what you've seen in the grime scene. My number one, my number one would be Manga. He's just released an album called, or well, say so just released this year, and I will make it alive, and that was just. It was just, it was amazing. It was basically like a diary of how he's feeling, how he's come to, you know, be as a person and what he's learned. Um, obviously, we don't have to make lyrics shouting like, you know, mental health this, mental health that, but just to talk about how you're feeling and normalise like low feelings, high feelings, whatever. Um, his music has always been kind of, um, uh, kind of thought-based as opposed to, you know, I own this, I own that, I'm this kind of MC. So he's always been one coming up that's been in a kind of league of his own. Um, so I really, really recommend people listen to his music. And it's not your typical grime, but it's grime. Get what I mean. Do you think Maybe. nowadays, sorry, do you think nowadays it's much more common for certain grime artists to be just vulnerable in their music um, as opposed to when growing up? Because obviously... I'll be honest, I'm not I wouldn't call myself the number one grime fan. I only I listen to grime here and there. I listen to kind of the big names, but I'm not deep in it to know all okay. the sort of well known all, all the upcoming artists or you know, um so I guess in the I guess the earlier days of grime I was oblivious to that. I was more focused on US hip hop. But n- <laughs> like in the the recent years I've been listening a bit more to sort of the Kanos and the Gets and especially their latest albums where you, for example, you've got Gets talking about his faith. Um, you get him talking about his friends, you get him talking about um, also his daughter as well and addressing in the song, I think Black Rose with Koji Radical. And he talks about the toxic masculinity and how we as black men have been mistreating our women, you know, I'm not sure if that's always been in grime and now mm-hmm. I'm just being aware of it or is if it's actually something that's become more prevalent in recent years of grime music. Um, I, I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. I think it's a more recent thing. I think well, when, when I was growing up, I wasn't ready to hear lyrics like that. I just wanted to hear the hype lyrics, you know, the bad man lyrics or whatever. That was what grime was about. But I think as us have got older, and they've branched out of their collectives and stuff, and they've gained experience. So they're able to talk more on those things um, and be real in their music. It's as simple as that. Be real in their music on them. And it's, it's okay to do that, especially as how things changed as well. And it's really, really refreshing to hear those things. Um, and most of the, their stories will either be what they're currently going through or things they have gone through back to when grime was something different. So it's interesting to hear it from that perspective. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. 
CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also, I guess, what we call <laughs> the golden era of grime. You know, I know that's debated to an extent, but like, yeah, again, sort of the the older generation of rappers are now, a lot of them are fathers now. A lot of them obviously are, the, the road lifestyle is far behind them and they're just, mm -hmm. they've got a bit of um, a, a retrospective kind of hindsight to look back yeah. and look at the bigger Life picture. And, yeah, so I think that's what we're seeing now and we're seeing that generation of rappers being more honest due to just where they are in life and um, yeah, and I think there's a lot of crossover with just hip hop culture in general and what we're seeing in this drug culture and I guess depression has become a, a trending thing now in, in many rappers. Um, you know, which, you know, there's two sides to it. There's a side where before, you know, you had your gangster rap where it's like alpha male, nothing's wrong with me. And then mm -hmm. you've got the extreme end of it now with scenes such as emo rap, where it's like, we're being so vulnerable but it's like to the point of making it seem like we're helpless and drugs are just the way through it. Mm -hmm. So I think there's toxicity, toxicity in both sides, if that makes sense. And yeah. it's just learning to strike that balance as well, you know, um, that, and that's why I think it's worth learning from the older generation as, as younger generation artists who are like, yeah, we're just trying to be real. We're just, yeah, I'm going through depression and, you know, it seems like a trending thing. But actually, we can still learn a little from, I guess, the OGs in terms of, you know, there are ways to get through life without medicating. Um, and it's, it's kind of taking the best of both worlds and coming to a healthy balance. So yeah. that's personally what I'd want to see in rap culture is that we're, us as males, we're not invincible, but we're not, we're not nobodies either, you know. There yeah. are healthy ways we can overcome our pain without the material things, or mm -hmm. um, or acting as someone we're not. So um, that's that's what I'd what I'd like to see more. Um, what I think, I, I think males, are, I think males have gone through depression, but they didn't realise what it was. If you think about growing up, what you've got to deal with, they had to deal with kind of um, obviously. I'm talking about grand culture again if they were on the roads, being on the roads, arguments with their their parents, and then um, radio beef or what have you, um, if they were getting up to illegal activities, if they had beef on the roads, looking over their shoulder all the time, you know, trying to find money for their families, all being stopped and searched by police, all those things built up and they kind of obviously they affect you. You, you. You'd be a robot if you were unaffected, but the kind of moods and phases they were in were so normal because that's just what you had to deal with. But I think yeah. it's only as you've got older, you can realise that most men that age and from that era that have to deal with that are or were actually depressed. Mm. Um, and true. And, and I'd say lastly, just to finish up, um, adding on to what we'd want to see moving on, mm -hmm. do you have any ideas of any sort of physical spaces where you might have seen maybe a grime artist open up about um a vulnerability or whatnot that could help the conversation of mental health have you seen that live in any um sets or um or any um i guess any gigs or um or even in more and more everyday life sort of scenario um when in the salon or any other sort of environment where there are a lot of other black people. Have you started seeing um, conversations, more sort of healthy, vulnerable conversations happening? Or if not, what sort of spaces, physical spaces, would you want to see stuff like this happening more? Um, I've got two to that answer. The first one I remember is seeing a set with um, an MC from West London called K9. Um, and he was on a set with about, I think about four different MCs spitting their lyrics. And uh, a grime tune comes on and he comes on and he starts spitting real deepness about friends that he'd lost. Um, mm. I think about three friends he'd lost all in a short space of time. And he's about how it affected him 
um, how he was depressed and, you know, what happened to his friends. It was just so heartfelt. It actually got me really emotional. And you could see the pain that he was spitting. Um, and after he'd finished his lyrics, he was spitting for a good three, three four minutes. After he'd finished, mm. you know, everyone around him kind of like congratulated him, kind of, you know, patted him on the back. And mm. they were clapping for him, spudded him, kind of put their arm around him. And, um, you know, for men to do that in a real appreciation from what they'd heard and listened to, the respect that they had for him for those bars. Like, mm. you could see it. It was, it was really like a big thing, a really big thing. I've actually got mm. him on my show on Friday, so I'm really interested to talk to him about that. Oh, um, I better get in tune for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Better As opposed to what we can do, I think it starts with the youth. I just feel like mm. I, um, I work with young people, so I'm always trying to find ways to, you know, make things better for them and make the world a better place for them. And I just think that those kinds of conversations have to start in school the same way they do sex education. They should have mental health lessons. Um, and again, yeah. it goes to normalising the conversation and realising that young people in a world like this do actually go through a lot. And we need to acknowledge that because um, yeah. it's it's just so, so important. It's so it's as important as physical health. And to some extent, yeah. physical health is easier to fix than mental health. Um, and I believe that they should grow up with a good uh, kind of support, not only support network, but good knowledge of mental health. Yeah. Really important. I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah, because I think more often than not, unfortunately, we see um, people learn about mental health too late, and by the time they learn about it and they understand the roots of their pain, yeah. a lot of damage has already been done um, yeah. in regards to their family, their jobs, what they've gotten mm-hmm. themselves into to cope with their pain. So I definitely yeah. agree with you. You know, the earlier we start this conversation, the better. So uh, I think so. schools need to do a, a better job at talking about these things and um also being sensitive to how our ethnic experiences influence influence Definitely. our mental health as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, one thing I forgot to ask you was when you found out you had your anxiety, mm-hmm. looking were there any sort of unique experiences as a black woman in Britain that might have contributed to that as well? And I'm not trying to perpetuate the narrative that every black person's case of mental health breakdown is to do with their ethnicity. But I just want to, I'm, I'm just trying to get a clearer picture of how much that influences, you know, many black people's um, mental health issues. So I was mm-hmm. just wondering, just in your, your own experience, if that's been any contributing factor or maybe not. Yeah, um, definitely growing up in a household that didn't talk um, was a big mm-hmm. factor. Um, to some extent, growing up in a single parent family. And mm. um, being different to my mum, I guess. People see me as different. My mum is brown skin like you. Um, okay. <laughs> and I got a lot of stick for being different to her when I was younger. Um, kind to, kind to, I'm going to be blunt, having to prove my blackness to people who thought I was of mixed descent mm. um, because I was from a one-parent family. Um mm. Yeah, things like that really knocked my confidence. And mm. um, when you start to have therapy and go through um, the roots of your anxiety, because there's always a trigger, but the trigger um, is not always the cause. These are root cause. And when you go back to the root cause, these are the things that kind of affected me growing up. So I guess in that respect, it was kind of inevitable. The trigger was the operation, but it just brought all of these things out that I'd been holding um, yeah. inside that I was unable to, to, to deal with, bring out and deal with, yeah. Mm. That's cool. So um, I think we'll end it there. I think we've mentioned quite a lot. And, um, yeah, thank you for your time, Elle. And, You're welcome. Uh, if you want to send any last message to the listeners, especially young black people, is, are there any sort of closing words of thought that you want to give and where people can find you and your work and like that? Take it away. Yeah, I just want, um, I say to anyone, if you ever have any issue, no matter what it is, talk to talk about it, whether it's to a family member, a friend. Um, if you see someone mention something on the, on the internet that resonates with you um, and you want to know more about it, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to start the conversation. Um, Mental Health and Grime is still on at the moment. Um, it's every Friday at 3.30 p.m. on my Instagram. My Instagram is at E-L-Formosa, F-O-R-M-O-S-A, with an X at the end. 
And yeah, if anyone ever has any questions about mental health or anything, then feel free to DM me. I'm more than happy to help. Awesome. Thank you a lot for your time. Thank and you. Yeah, I'm going to end it there. Everyone, thank you for listening. Again, if this podcast is impacting you um, in any way, shape or form, please let me know. DM me as well. Uh, more episodes to come. Uh, Names Bliss is dropping a new tune this Friday as well. Um, he's calling it Emotional Grime. So I'm looking yep. forward to that. And I will be speaking to him next Monday as well. Um, as of the time I'm recording this. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening and peace. One hundred fifty years of breakthroughs, milestones, and triumphs. One hundred fifty years of Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years. That's childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside, and some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package, but that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.